This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. An excellent coach. He had a great run here, so you give him full marks for that. And he's doing a great job with Florida, so give him full marks for that. But for me, I, you know, I've said this many times, and I'll say it every day, I keep the focus on our team and how we want to play, regardless who's coming in. You know, that's a noise outside of the game. You start letting all that noise distract you, it, it affects the way you play. So we've talked enough about that. I, I just keep the focus on us, what we have to do to be successful tonight without bringing in all the other noise. Just another game for the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, Rick Bonus. Almost said Paul Maurice there. Um, Paul Maurice, of course, top of mind here in the city of Winnipeg. Winnipeg Jets, Florida Panthers had to get going here on 680 CJOB. Pre-game show, 5 o'clock. Puck drop at 7 o'clock. Canada Life Center. Former head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, Paul Maurice, uh, in town for his first return to Canada Life Center. I'm not sure if he's been back to Winnipeg. Probably has been uh, since he took the job in Florida or just before. I don't know. I'm not. Spe- I'm not going to. Spe- I'm not going to speculate on that. I know he's got a little cottage and stuff out here. You know, maybe he's keeping. Yeah, that place. I don't think he's been back. I think he uh, went down there maybe Augustish, and I'm just guessing. Yeah, and he got set up, and I would presume this is the first time back. But ready to rock. More and roll. than enough time to move and. Get up all your things, go to your favorite haunts one last time, and then hit the dusty road down to FLA. <laughs> Look, I, we might as well start with this. Like, I I think he's going to be standing ovation, huge round of applause, and people really appreciate all he accomplished here. 50-win yeah. season, Western Conference final. Um, you can, you know, decide how you feel about it, but up until last year when he wasn't around at the end of the season, four straight playoff appearances. You can debate the play-in and all that kind of things, but postseason's postseason. And, and so he came in with this organization. You look at the roster and how they developed under him. And then as he said, uh, he um, the only thing I think you might raise an eyebrow with Paul Maurice's time here is what he told us on this show after he yeah. took the Florida job, which was... You know, I, I kind of knew the voice was was rolling thin. He said himself, five years is about the time you have to win or I'll just move on or the, the voice gets stale. Um, they made a couple trades, which was the Dylan and Schmidt trade and the re-signing of Stasny. And he goes, I kind of convinced myself that, ah, you know, this is pretty good. We should take another run. But it wasn't, well, it was around this time last year where he was yeah. like, no, I shouldn't have come back. And and I could see the writing on the wall prior to this season. and And so... Um, you try to make things work. I don't think that's a fault, but you know, I think that's the only thing you could look back on. Um, and some people are going to disagree with that and that's fine. Yeah. Um, on how they view Paul Maurice. But if you put it all together in a general resume, uh, he took this organization from a non-playoff team to a four straight year contending team in a Western conference final. Yeah. And we can debate all the intricacies about it. We can go up and down about how this happened, how that happened, the room, um, you know, the line A thing, nobody's perfect, mistakes are made, but when you look at the resume of his time here with the Winnipeg Jets, it's a winning one. It's a good one, and it's a development one, and now there's another step. As he said himself, I got the rock up the hill, I just can't get it to the top, and it's time to move on, and that's what I think he'll be thankful, thanked for tonight by the crowd and everybody for getting that rock up the hill a, a long way. I don't, I don't make any bones about it no pun intended um but i don't try to hide away from the fact that i i like paul maurice i like him as a coach i like him as a person 
Um, and But at the same time, looking back now, Jim, I think most people can now take a, take a step back and say, like, it was, it was time for Paul Maurice to leave last year. And it, it's also very much, just as you were alluding to there, he probably shouldn't have been the head coach of this team last year. And he admitted as much. Um, you know, I, I think that the decision to bring him back, wow, yeah, I mean, somebody's got an NHL team, you know, the, you know, the players, all this sort of thing. Um, I, I think at the same time, it's uh, something to be applauded when somebody doesn't want to quit. They want to keep giving their all. And, and Paul said this to us as well, Jim. He wanted to keep giving it all to the city. He wanted to keep giving it all to the community because he wanted to be a part of a team that won here in Winnipeg. And he understood how special that was. Um, but it got to the point where um, you have a head coach uh, resigning and you have Paul Maurice stepping aside, understanding that if he would have stuck it out for the rest of last year, Jim, nothing would have changed. It would have been the exact same situation as last well, year. Well, look, what he did, um, and again... Judge, and text the show. Give us your thoughts. Yeah. 204-780-6868. Yeah. Judge us how you want to. But he said he knew this would be his last year, win the Stanley Cup or not last year when he walked away and then he realized a month and a half two months into it and let's again we go back to the bubble we do this all the time it weighed on people it was hard on people it changed people's perspective but you can't fault him i don't think for wanting to do exactly what you said and taking another run at this yeah um but he clear you can't also in my opinion fault him for understanding that he realized that was a mistake but more so for him personally. Like I, again, it sounded to me more so than anything. Um, he did it for himself and the team. Like he literally walked away. Like you brought up Cam, if he had stayed here throughout the year. Yeah, last and year. Let, let's not do like, knew Kevin Cheveldayoff and Mark Chipman wanted Paul Maurice to be the head coach of this team last year. Right. And, and, but my point is, is like he knew he was leaving one way or the other at the end of that season. Um, what he the way he did leave was what I'm understanding is his way of going. I, I don't have it. We don't have it. They need a change. They need it. it. It's not about them. And to be honest with you, this is grinding on me as well. And so by I'm leaving to a get myself to a better place, but also maybe at this point of the year, early December, the team can salvage a playoff run. Mm -hmm. And so I'll step away. I, there was many a, a couple of reasons, and I'm I'm paraphrasing it, but. I think looking back on it, look, I was just as shocked as anybody. Oh, yeah, me too. Um, and I, I, I understand the fans out there that go, well, he quit on the team. I, I don't quite see it that way, and I don't see it that way because we talked to Paul and we talked to the players, and it seemed to be what was best for the team, and then secondly, but a close second, what was best for Paul. And I, I, I don't want to keep harping on this because the bubble and all this, but we don't. I constantly hear to this day how hard that was and the mental aspect of the isolation to it um, and the difference it was and then the grind it is to try and get to this place and then things don't go well and we all know when things don't go well regardless of what you do, um, it's a bad atmosphere that you're in. I just think that in the fashion in which this happened, the two days of practices tells me that over that 48-hour period on up to the game day, that something had deteriorated to the point where something along the lines, and this is just my speculation from the insight that we've kind of gathered, is the fact that it was, you know, why are you doing this to yourself? And, and, and you know, there comes a point where, like we talk about all the time, in the history of the NHL, no 
no coaches quit in midseason. I don't think it was quitting negatively. I think it was quitting to help himself. And I don't think we put enough emphasis on that. We talk about mental health all the time, but we don't put ourselves in the position of, I wasn't sure, and I kind of was leaning towards this isn't a good idea. Then I got into it, and I went full bore, and it was weighing and grinding on me. Things didn't go well. The relationship's deteriorating, all this stuff. I'm never going to fault somebody for taking care of themselves. Yeah. And I don't mean taking care of themselves selfishly, like screw you guys, I'm out of here. I mean taking care of yourself of I I I I'm I'm self-aware enough that I need a break. Texas show 204-780-6868. Um and this is this is a feeling that a lot of people have. Uh, this texter says, liked Paul, but lost a lot of respect for quitting on the team midseason. How do you think the players felt Paul, uh, Paul took his own interests and not the team? That from uh, that texter there. Well, and let me and, just and, respond and, to that. I, well, I want to well, ask yeah, that and, but, texter. But, like, I think that there was players on the team last year that 100% understood the situation. But I would, I'm not in the locker room. I don't know how every single player reacted to the news. I remember looking at Andrew Kopp's face afterwards when he was still with the Jets. He looked like he was sick to his stomach. He looked absolutely sick to his stomach. We know that we know that Wheeler and Paul had a very, very good relationship. 100% there. I don't know how each player reacted, but I think it's okay to think that some players took it one way and other players took it the other way. Just as that would happen in any other aspect of life. Let me just ask that texter this. I and I get what you're saying, sir or ma'am, about like quitting on the team. But if you're not mentally in a good place. If it's causing you grief and strife, no matter, you know, the job or whatever job you do, mm-hmm. and you kind of need a break, and it's probably clearly what's best for the team too, but also on your side, do you feel the same way about the quitting part? Like, to me, this is no different than if you came to me, Cam, and said, look, man, I'm sorry, I'm going through some stuff, and I just can't do this for the next three months. I mean, am I going to say you quit on me, Cam? Or am I going to say, you know what, dude? I need you. I do. Mm-hmm. I want you here. I do. But I also want you to take care of yourself. I'm getting for uh, verklempt here. Uh, well, no, but I, and I'm just <laughs> trying to. I'm teasing you. And if that's not the case, then so be it. And he quit on the team. But I, I'm not hearing and we're not hearing that's the case. In fact, when, when he was asked that day, if he talked to Blake Wheeler, he said, yeah. And Blake nodded, shook my hand and said, I get it, man. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. That's why I keep bringing up the bubble. It, it was, there were guys that left the bubble. They couldn't stand seeing their wife on Zoom at home with three kids struggling. And I think we forget about that because we fast forward a year and a half and we go, well, you're a coach in the National Hockey League and you're doing it. So again, I think we're going down this road a little bit too much on this day, but those were all factors into yeah. it. So I understand everybody's allowed to their opinion. The bottom yeah. line is I think he gets a standing ovation and I think he deserves it. Yeah, 100% I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm, I'm a Paul Maurice fan, always will be a Paul Maurice fan. Uh, and Mike in Manitoba, just to what you were just saying there, Jim, uh, he texts the show 204-780-6868. Uh, Paul Maurice is still in a lot of Winnipeggers' heads. So in a way... He never left. Uh, <laughs> great text message. Great, Fantastic. Great text. point. With great how point this is to, being debated his return, that's yeah, a great point. And the thing is, um, he's he's always going to be a big part of this team because, he, you know, the, the first couple years with, with Claude Noel, God bless Claude Noel, love that guy, loved him. Just, he was great. And I know that, I know Jim and you like, you like Claude Noel and all that stuff. 
but it just wasn't working. No. Now, he didn't have the horses. Let's just be realistic here. He did not have the horses, but it wasn't working with, with Claude Noel. It just wasn't. Paul Maurice comes in, and I remember Blake Wheelers knew a podcast, um, podcast with him just recently, and the first day that Paul Maurice walked in, he took his glasses off, he rubbed in between his eyes like you've probably seen him a million times if you've ever seen him in a, in a press conference, and he said, my name is Paul Maurice, and I'm your, I'm your head coach. And he said from that moment on, uh, he had the team buying in. They were working for him. Now, I think a lot of things changed over the the eight and nine years um, leading up to him resigning. Clearly, obviously, things changed over that period of time. But to say that Paul Maurice um, hasn't been instrumental in this team uh, uh, being where it is right now, like the one thing is like look at the look at the Ottawa Senators, Jim. And we got to take a break here, or look at the Columbus Blue Jackets. Jets fans, while last year was extremely disappointing, there's been no point where Jets fans have had to suffer for a long periods of time, like, say, the Buffalo Sabres, where they were just absolute bottom feeders. And a lot of that has to do with, with Paul Maurice getting the most out of this lineup. You know, are they done? Have they, have they got to where they need to go and where they want to go as a franchise? Absolutely not. Um, but the Winnipeg Jets are a pretty good hockey team right now. They're top five team in, in terms of points percentage. Um, we're yeah. going to see how this season goes. It's going to be a tough game. Like we should, yeah. we'll get into the game next. We're going to get into the game. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We got some uh, other comments and and and, and messages and, and all that sort of thing. Get just more of your text messages as well. Uh, the Florida Panthers in town. What do the Jets need to do to top them as well? We'll hear from Blake Wheeler and we'll hear from Mark Shifley. And these are comments you're going to want to hear. Jets at noon on six eighty CJOB. Leads the league in average shots on goal per game. Is it one of those nights where you know you you don't worry so much about the volume as you worry about keeping the great A's? And I know that applies all the time, but there's sometimes that teams are are a little patient with the puck. It doesn't look like Florida is. They, they throw a lot of pucks at the night. Even if you go to our last game, I mean they had 18 shots in the first period. That their, four of their first five shots were dumpings from the red line. Three of our first four shots were dumping. Like you don't. Sometimes, a lot of times, the shot clock is misleading. So what mattered to me was that they only created three scoring chances, five on five. But the bigger issue is we only created one. So that was the biggest issue for me is that we just didn't create enough offense. The shot clock. You go into some rinks, man. You look up, and all of a sudden, it's like in your. Anyways, I, I know for a fact that that that's what happened. So I don't always get beat up with that. The volume. It's we have cut down drastically on the chances against in the areas that we wanted to focus on, and if that means giving up long shots and outside, then that's what we have to give up. But if analytics will tell you that we have cut down drastically the number of grade A's in front of our, and that was a focal point going into training camp. So uh, we're going to continue with that. Head coach Rick Bonus uh, earlier today, following the morning skate, talking about a shot-heavy team, the Florida Panthers. We'll get into that a little bit more. I'll give you some more uh, stats on just how heavy the the Panthers are in terms of how many shots they take per game, uh, as well as sort of how that sort of is structured over the course of that game. Get into that in a second, but. Uh, Mikey Asimont, Jim Toth, he's going to be sticking on that top line uh, with Casey and PLD, Perfetti, Shifley, and Wheeler. Uh, Morgan Barron, Adam Lowry, Menelainen on the third line. Um, AJF, also known as Axel Janssen, Fiala B, uh, David Gustafson, and Sam Gagne on the fourth line. Um, Connor Hellebuck will start, went through his uh, starting uh, routine uh, earlier today. 
He's going to be between the pipes. Uh, d- d- defense uh, sticking the same as well. Uh, Morrissey and DeMello, uh, Brendan Dillon and Neil Pionk, and then Dylan Sandberg and uh, Nate Schmidt. Uh, uh, the scratch is going to be Capobianco, uh, Logan Stanley, Jansen Harkins, and Dominic Toninato. Uh, Mikey Asimov sticking on that top line, uh, but just to just to make sure that we structure that with something else as well. Uh, Rick Bonus did say that he expects that position to be a bit of a revolving door. Mikey Asimov's the guy for that spot right now, uh, but that might not be something uh, that sticks over a long course of games. Here is you know the team waits for uh, Mason Appleton and, and Nick Ehlers to heal up enough to get back in the lineup. Do you think Acemon's line of Dubois and Connor starts tonight to get off to a good start? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I think um, they do. Or does, you know, he started Lowry, Barron, and Menaline in a lot. Those guys had a good game. I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put it past. That's a good question, Jim. Or do you roll out Old Faithful against Paul Maurice in the first <laughs> shift? You um, know, we haven't talked about this, but I put out a tweet about three years ago when they were reunited. And it was after they got it handed to him in Minnesota, had back-to-back, went to Calgary. Mm-hmm. And then I think Wheeler had three points, Shifley two, and they beat Calgary 4-2, who was rolling at the time on back-to-back nights. And they had that team meeting. And I tweeted out, the reason why head coaches put Wheeler and Shifley back together is because it works. And I got filled with notifications of, yeah, but they give up more, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, the reason why they go back to them periodically, not forever and not but when things are bad is because they produce and so now we've seen a couple of games with them together and they just keep producing points and much better defensively um but anyway i just i, I those are the questions tonight lowry baron Menelainen for some energy or do you get ac mont out there to create it from the get-go from the first shift or do you go remember these guys paul <laughs> if I had to put money on it, I'm thinking it's going to be Baron Lowry and Menelainen. That's just me based on the decisions that, that Rick Bonus has made so far this year. But I'm uh, going Dubois, Simon Connor. I like it. Okay. That's fine. Winner gets like uh, Tim Hortons or what? Or one know, of these. I'm not that big of a high roller. One of these cookies? I think I got a nickel in my pocket. Oh. Go to Vegas for a nickel. <laughs> Stole that from Nixon. How about, how about bragging rights, Jim? How about that? You know what? I will buy you a coffee. No, I'm kidding. I'll I'm buy kidding. you, I'll buy I, you no, a No, I, I think it's fascinating. We'll ask the texters at 780-6868. Given the way the team has started and AC Monk going up to that line, and and this is I'm stealing this from Kyle or Kelly Moore, who said, I bet you whoever Acemont's line is that he starts the next game against Florida because of the energy he brings in to set the tone. He had a really great game against the Ducks. He sort of cemented himself, and he's got a long way to go here. Um, but the, there's flashes of a guy who can come out, be disruptive, cause havoc, and the Winnipeg Jets need a guy like that. He's going to go out there and be a little bit of a pest. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Uh, PLD is taken on that role. I mean, he draws penalties. He's out there, you know, busting knuckles up. But, uh, um, hey, Mikey Asimon, I think, is, has done pretty dang good since he found his way into the lineup. Uh, the Panthers at the top of the league right now averaging almost, Jim, 39 shots a game. Yeah, I heard um, that in your keys to the game. Yeah, it was like it's the- not adding up to huge amounts of offense. I think they might be ninth in the league in terms of in terms of goals scored. Um, so I mean, I mean that could lead to a lot of factors. I haven't seen every single game that the Florida Panthers have played, but um, and where those shots are coming from. But as I kind of led into it with Rick Bonus, uh, the Winnipeg Jets feeling that they're doing a lot better job, uh, short of shutting shutting down those great A chances um, in those sort of danger areas. And I found this very interesting about the Panthers, Jim. 
they fade as the game goes on. They are plus they have a plus 119 shot differential in the first period over their opponents. By the third period, that goes down to minus 15. So there's about 130 shots, uh, a shot difference over the course of an entire season uh, or so far over the course of an entire season that are getting lost here. And so the Panthers are a team that comes out. They love to put pucks on net. They love to bring energy, get going here. Um, But by the third period, they sort of start to peter off in terms of how many shots they're taking on net. So I would say to that, Jim Toth, that's a good test for the Winnipeg Jets here and getting a good start going here because they're going to have to be sharp because there's going to be a lot of pucks heading towards uh, Connor Hellebuck. Not that he's not going to be up for the task. Uh, he's been their most consistent player over the whole course of the year. He's been absolute money, um, but they're going to have to be sharp here. And I think it's a good test. I mean, Paul Maurice in town, your former coach with his with his new team, how do you not get up for a game like this? Like this isn't one where you got to be like, Oh, you know, afternoon game, Anaheim Ducks, bottom team, and all that sort of thing. This is a game that there should be no motivation needed to get up for this game. And start no, on, I, and start there on shouldn't. Time. Um, look, we talked about this a little bit before coming on air, and and I know that you're not supposed to think this way, and I know yeah. that professional athletes need to approach every single game the same. But the way you and I talk about Columbus and Anaheim is is got to be at the very least in the back of their minds. Now, the goal as a pro athlete is to not take anybody lightly and worry about your own game and be optimal. But let us that's the subconscious of it. They didn't start that way against Colorado. Like, it just, it's, there's a subconscious thing to this that, that plays into. That's why what Rick Bonus talked about in an emotional game, you have to play with emotion and passion. You have to come out and, and, take on the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Anaheim Ducks the same way you took on the defending Stanley Cup champions three nights earlier. And they didn't. And so that's on them, and they have to wear that. But, I mean, tonight's a prime example of... I I would think that, again, this is all in the back of their minds, Maurice and everything else, but what Mm -hmm. should be at the forefront is this is a very good Florida team um, and vice versa for Florida. But I, I don't think Paul Maurice sits there and goes... You know, you've got to win this game. I have to have it and blah, 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 Mm. blah. But I would assume Paul Maurice goes, and oh, by the way, after I just spent 20 minutes breaking down the game plan, blah, 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 it'd sure be nice to win this one for fellas. (laughs) And and not like, say, for me or anything like that, but probably just that little extra, man, it'd be nice to fly home with this this one in our back pocket, fellas. Yeah. And vice versa, that I would think like the Jets, and I haven't heard most of what they said today. We're going to get into that. But I would assume they're going... You know, Florida, they're tough. We got to, they're top of the league. We president's trophy last year. They're struggling or not struggling. Who cares? We got to dial our own game in and go. But also be nice to slip one past Paul. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a hey, we just got this in. Paul Maurice's clips are in. Kelly Moore just sent those in. 680 CJOB Jet Studio host, uh, stu- uh, sports director here at CJOB. He just sent those in. So let's take a break. We'll come back. I'll find a good clip as quickly as I possibly can over this uh, break and we'll come in. And then we'll hear f- some comments from Mark Shifley as well as Blake Wheeler uh, about uh, about Paul Maurice uh, back in town here. Uh, so uh, thanks, everybody, for the text messages, 204-780-6868. Always appreciate this. Uh, might not get to you guys, but definitely we see them, and I, and I read them all. I can guarantee that. I read them all, uh, especially uh, the one from Rob G, who says he'll buy Tim Hortons for the winner, and he picks Wheeler, Shifley, and Perfetti. 
Oh, wow, so so maybe we owe him now because you so and I maybe, went two other lines. So is Rob trying to sneak in here and all of a sudden I owe him two cups Rob's, of coffee? Rob's trying to work some coffee out of us. Oh, you sneaky guy, Rob. Good for him. We'll be right back. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB. Yeah, exactly. I think where both sides internally thought they would be. I think a uh, real good team in Winnipeg playing well. Um, and we thought, you know, after last year, kind of not far off our regulation win total that we were at last year at this time, even with the, the big start that they had. So had a little bit of adversity, but handled it really well and uh, kind of like our game. Like we, we like the way we play. We are looking for a little more consistency in some areas, as everybody is, I think, at this time, but uh, pretty good. Paul Maurice there, uh, when he was asked about uh, both teams sort of not being where many expected them to be at this point, uh, of the year. Paul Maurice uh, also uh, asked uh, uh, about some of the players, and we'll hear from from Blake Wheeler, and we'll hear from Mark Shifley in just a moment here. But Paul Maurice was asked about some of the players talking about there being more detail and more structure from this year's coaching staff, and Paul Maurice was asked uh, how he feels about that and how he feels it reflects on him. No, I think that's what happens when you come out of Canada. I think that's fairly ubiquitous in each market when there's a coaching change, and and that's what happens, so it's good for them. They needed a change. They needed a new voice. They got it. They're playing well. I'm happy for them. Yeah, there, uh, Paul Maurice. Thoughts on those comments there, Jim Toth? Oh, exactly what I thought they would be. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any animosity here. And that being said, I think there was some animosity when they left, but that was tier four or five of why this happened. I, I We've spent the first 20 minutes on the show talking about that. Look, I think Paul Maurice is going to be thought of very highly in this organization when all is said and done. I think he'll be a part of the alumni, um, as do I think the players. But I, we always, and fans tend to focus on this so much, it is a storyline today, don't get me wrong. <laughs> it is, a big time. But it's about a 10%, maybe even less part of the players, the team, and Paul Maurice's day today. Once that puck drops, both teams want this win. But it's a major storyline today, and I get that. But I that's what I expect Paul to do. I think Paul um, wishes everybody well. Like, Paul's not sitting there disliking Carolina. He's not sitting there disliking the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. Maybe and, maybe, maybe the Leafs. Well. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, I think you're, you're <laughs> well, debating I'm not, on. I'm but not. <laughs> but I'm, I, look, it, it's a focus for sure. Um, but I don't, I don't think – it, look, Paul always believed in this team and this crew, and uh, the organization believed in him to the point yeah. where he a little bit too much, maybe as we discussed, and and so they're moving on. But I, I don't think there's animosity, negativity. I think even the friendships or the professional avenues that had been exhausted. Uh, I I think they're they're cleared up, and they just wish each other the best. Save for tonight. Here's Wheeler on the focus tonight, as you say, Jim. Yeah, I think we're. Uh... You know, the last two games haven't been the way we wanted to play, so it's a good opportunity for us against a really good team tonight. And obviously, yeah, you know, having having Paul uh, Paul back there, um, you know, uh, it'll be a good uh, reception for her for for him tonight. Uh, everything he's done for this organization as well. Uh, Wheeler was asked to expand on that and what the and how the crowd should react for Paul Maurice tonight. Oh, you know, this franchise has never been to the playoffs before. Paul was here, and. Um, you know, we had a couple, uh, couple playoff, you know, series victories, and you know, things that those are big stepping stones for a franchise that hadn't won anything. You know, so uh, you know, I think we, um, you know, he he helped instill a, a culture where we expected to win, and um, you know, 
we came close. Uh, we definitely came close one time and, and had opportunities. So that's really all you can ask for. Uh, here was uh, Mark Shifley, uh, who said uh, was asked a very same question about how he thinks that Paul Maurice should um, be, you know, embracing his return to the Winnipeg Jets. And here was Shifley when he was asked that question. I have no idea. You know, I think uh, you know we've had lots of lots of you know ex players come in here, and you know, obviously they're, they're all, the fans are always um, you know very welcoming. So um, you know, I guess that's a that's a that's a question for the fans. I have no idea. That's kind of that's kind of up to the fans. You know, they're the they're the they're the ones that are are uh, you know that's kind of in their hands. So um, you know, I guess I guess we'll <laughs> I guess we'll see. I think you know you never you never know. They've always been very welcoming to all the all the players that you know have have left or um, you know played went on to play on different teams. So um, you know, I guess I guess we'll see. Well, Jim, uh, last time <laughs> Mark Shifley back on May first uh, in that game. With the at the end of the game against the Seattle Kraken, uh, apparently I and many others read too much in those comments, and all of it was taken out of context. And so I will uh, <laughs> leave that comment right there. I'm not I, sure. I, I what, I'm not. I'm not going to speculate at all what Mark Shifley is um, is saying. Maybe he's just saying as simple as that. I, that he doesn't know how Paul Maurice, uh, how the fans should react, and took a very different. Uh, he took a different direction. Let me ask you this, Blake point blank. Okay, Jim, you're going to ask me point blank, are you? Do you huh? think Mark Scheifele and Paul Maurice got along at the end? Uh, no, I don't think they did. Neither do I. Yeah, I don't do think Do I did. think that that's the end-all, be-all of the world? No, I don't. Do I think that um, Mark Scheifele wanted a new voice in that room and a new leader and is playing a hundred times better overall than he did the past two years? Yes, I do. Yeah. I don't think it has to be more than that. Yeah. I don't know a head coach that leaves a team or gets fired and every single player is distraught over it. Yeah, here's Shifley and the differences between Rick Bonus and, and Paul Maurice. Oh, for sure. For sure you do. You know, you see the you know the similarities, the differences, and um you know, I think this year this year's been completely different, you know. It's a whole new perspective on things and and you know, Bones Bones and his staff has done a great job at at challenging this team and and pushing us to our to our max, and I think that's what every guy, every guy wanted here was to you know be pushed and and challenged and helped and coached and um, you know I think Bones has done a fantastic job at that, and um, you know we're looking forward to it. You know it's only been it's only you know a quarter way into the season, and um, we still have lots to learn, we still have lots to, to work on, and um, that's exciting as a hockey player. You know we've we've only had that perspective for 20 games now, and um, you know we have so much more to so much more to learn and. And so much more knowledge to to be given. So I think that's that's exciting for all of us. I think Mark Shifley likes having Rick Bonus as his head coach. That I will tell you is the most I've heard Mark Shifley say about a head coach he's had here in the city in f- six seasons. We'll just leave it at that. Pre-game there show. We go. Enjoy today the game at everyone. five o'clock. Puck drop at wow. seven o'clock. Uh, Florida Panthers, Winnipeg Jets. Hey, check out the podcast. Just look us up, Jets at Noon. You can find us on Apple Music as well as on Spotify. Jim Toll will take you all the way till 3 o'clock. That's it for me. I'll be back same time tomorrow. See ya. Jets at Noon on 680 CJOB.